0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's Revolution Recap, a weekly review of the New England Revolution, Major League Soccer, and the U.S. National Team on WNRI AM 1380. And streaming live on the internet at WNRI.com. Brought to you by Soccer New England Magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com. Covering the entire sport for the entire region for over 20 years. And now, Revolution Recap with your host, Sean Donahue.
1: Welcome to Revolution Recap. I'm Sean Donahue. Today joined in the studio by Brian O'Connell from Revsnet.com. A uh, Lots to talk about tonight. The U.S. national team just finishing up a big... 8 nothing victory over Barbados. Uh, I think everyone expected the U.S. to come away with a large victory against a, a pretty, pretty bad team in Barbados, a uh, small country. Uh, but maybe not by this much. Certainly makes the next week next weekend's game pretty irrelevant uh, with the result there. Uh, Matt Reese actually called up for this game. Surprisingly, I don't think there was any real notice of it. Uh, but then he watched the broadcast today. He appears on the bench uh, behind Brad Guzan, a little surprising there. Uh, but uh, really the, a great result for the U.S. making next weekend meaningless. Uh, really not needing a result now and the Revs, of course on Thursday coming away with a 2-0 victory out of Houston despite missing several key players Um, and then of course they have another big game coming up on Wednesday against the Red Bulls Uh, but let's start talking about the U.S. game a little bit here. Uh, Brian Ching with a three-goal performance, Clint Dempsey with two goals, Michael Bradley with a goal, Donovan with a goal, Johnson with a goal but really you'd expect a result like this from the U.S. against such a team.
2: Yeah really and I'm Eight nothing. I guess that's a little too much. Um, but I know that when they went up three goals at the half, uh, you just knew it was going to be a U.S. type game. And I guess the uh, this kind of result kind of gives Bob Bradley the luxury of you know sitting some of the guys that scored today and really pr- pretty much playing a B team next weekend um, in uh, in Barbados. So I mean, it gives them that, that luxury again. You know, I guess it kind of makes up for all the goals that weren't scored against you know against uh, against um Argentina and. And Spain and England. So I guess, you know, when they come, they come in bush- bushels. So, uh, I guess it just kind of makes up for all the, uh, zero goal games against those, uh, those, uh, powerhouse teams. So again, it's good to see that, you know, that we can, we can score. Um, granted, it is Barbados. Barbados is no way Argentina, but at the same time, um, result like that it really gives uh, Bob Riley some fe- flexibility going into next weekend and seeing what some of the other guys can do, maybe so starting some uh, some of the uh, younger guys.
1: And hopefully build some confidence, as you mentioned, after you know, going three games without a goal. Uh, but at the same time, uh, as bad as a team as Barbados is, you never can uh, underestimate your opponents here. Um, and certainly upsets have happened in the past, and even today it looks like, uh, as far as last time I heard, Bermuda was up, I believe, 2-1 to one on Trinidad and Tobago, uh, in Trinidad and Tobago. So the Quite an upset there from Cono Smith's side, mm-hmm. uh, leading Bermuda there, um, and certainly uh, I believe Mexico only up two to nothing right now against Belize, another poor poor team, and uh, so so you can't really take anything for granted going into these qualifiers where you know you have two games, anything can happen. So that's why it's so important that the U.S. comes away with a big home victory. So when they travel away to, to Barbados, where uh, you know things could change, different playing surface, uh, the home home crowd behind Barbados, uh, going in eight to nothing. Really takes the pressure off,
2: oh yeah, definitely, and I mean, you know, like you had said, anything can happen anywhere, especially when you're going back on the road, uh, obviously it's nice to play that game and you know nice in southern southern California, but when you go to Barbados i 'm sure it's not going to be anything like that, like you had said into take into, uh, take into uh, account the uh, the playing surface, the you know the uh, home crowd in Barbados and and what have you, but i think uh, I think one thing that was mentioned during that telecast is. I think Bob, they said something to the effect that Bob Bradley really wants to come out of this qualifying tournament as the number one team out of CONCACAF. So, I mean, you know, it's really something to shoot for. And I think it's very, very realistic given the uh, given the pretty solid performances against, you know, against Argentina and against, uh, you know, Spain for the most part. I mean, you know, Spain, they lost zero one, one but, I mean, they pretty much held a very, very potent Spain team to, you know, 0-0 for about 80 minutes, so... Um, you know, it's just about you know, it's getting that confidence, like you had said, gaining that confidence, and you know, you go for you come off the, those games, play Barbados, you get eight nothing, um, and then it's it could really act as a catapult going forward as far as uh, getting that number one spot, especially with Mexico, you know, um, obviously they're they're the other candidate for that number one spot in Concacaf, and now they have Erickson as their coach and. You know, there's a lot of you know grumblings within their within their system saying, you know, was this the greatest time to bring in a new coach? So, you know, a- anything can happen, but it's it's definitely a great it's a great result today, zero, uh, 8-0 and going to Barbados, and then hopefully we can get that number one spot
1: in the playoff. And they did, of course, uh, win the qualifying last last time going into the 2006 mm. World Cup. Uh, but Mexico still came out with the seed uh, going to the World Cup, where the U.S. did not. Uh, that's going to be a hard thing for the U.S. to get, um, even if, should they finish qualifying in first. They need another strong performance in the Confederations Cup. Uh, their Copa America performance certainly didn't help in that regard. No. They did win the Gold Cup, of course, which uh, should help a little bit. I believe there's another Gold Cup competition as well between now and the World Cup. Uh, but, you know, it's a, it's a good start going there. They want the 0-0 draw with Argentina, the number one ranked team in the world, uh, which you should mention too, because that was after uh, last weekend's show. A, a really great performance from the U.S. there, turning things around from the loss to England and, you know they really started to turn things around and lost to Spain too, but they had some chances against Argentina. It was a pretty even match really. I mean Argentina their 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 great skills shown through, but the U.S. played very well in that one.
2: Yeah, they really did, and I mean you know I I think the one thing that you know that can always be said about the U.S. as far as playing such uh, such such, uh, such great teams like, you know, top ranked teams like Spain and, uh, Argentina is that, you know, it's not a question of the, of the defending. It's just a question of finding that playmaker, finding that striker, finding that person that can, you know, just score goals. And I think that's one thing that although they did have a good, a good game against, uh, against Argentina and they had a very admirable game against Spain as well. Um, you know, throughout the, throughout both matches, you were just kind of waiting for like one, one person to step up and, you know, it was tough in Spain without, without Landon Donovan. Donovan comes back, um, you know, for Argentina. He does, he, and he looks good. Um, but again, there's still that one person. And I mean, you, you would think that maybe someday somewhere down the line, you know, Josie Altadora maybe becomes that, maybe becomes that key striker where, you know, you know, he's going to get the ball. You know, he's he not, not only is he going to get the ball, but he's also going to put it in the back of the net. Um, I remember last year, him and, uh, Freddie Adu when they were playing the U20 World Cup, they just looked sensational. I think that really, like, if you look, you know, maybe a year or two down the line, or maybe like a few more years down the line. I think it's a duo in Altador that will be that. Um, you know, that duo. I mean, it's it's been tough. I mean, the U.S. has been you know trying to search for that that key striker ever since McBride retired from international competition. So, um, you know, maybe Altidore will be that someday. But uh, again, like very very good performances against Spain and a very good performance, very very good performance against Argentina.
1: And Altidore, of course, ready to make a move to Spain yeah. uh, to Villarreal. Um, certainly, that should help his development as well. Um, one thing that, as you mentioned, the U.S. was missing, uh, certainly missing Milan Donovan in the game against England, the game against Spain. Uh, he made a difference in, Ar- in the Argentina game. Uh, the other thing that was really lacking in those two games was quality on set pieces. There were some horrendous free kicks and corner kicks from the U.S. in those two games. And that's really something that the U.S. needs to do well on if they're going to beat these good teams. Uh, sometimes it's really hard to get a goal in the run of play against you know, teams with such good quality and such good defenses. Uh, but that was really something that was missing from their game. Donovan's certainly an upgrade from... Uh, say, Beasley on these situations. Even Freddie Adu didn't look too good when he was given the chance on those set pieces. Eddie Lewis uh, made a bit of a difference coming on there in the games he played in. But I don't think we can expect him to be playing in the World Cup. Uh, so that's something that the U.S. needs to find, someone who's good at these set pieces. Maybe Donovan's the man. He scored a goal today, actually, on a hmm. free kick uh, against Barbados. Um, again, not the best competition. He actually got it off before the wall had fully set up. Uh, so maybe may be a little bit lucky there. But uh, if, if he can really become that person who... You know, can make all those free kicks and become you know, maybe certainly not someone in the class of David Beckham, but uh, a step up from a guy like Beasley, or even a dude who we've seen can take them in the past, uh, can get back to that level of play. That's going to be really important for the U.S. going forward.
2: Yeah, definitely. And I mean, I think another thing that I, I know I, I was reading something to the effect where uh, I forget who it was, it may have been Steve Davis on ESPN.com was saying something to the effect that. Um, you know, it's kind of like – it's kind of uh, – it's it's an interesting dilemma to have when you have a guy as skilled as Landon Donovan and then him always having to take the set piece, the the free kicks, um, where you really wish he'd be on the other end of those free kicks sometimes just to, like, you know, create something or just to, you know, get that ball, harness the ball and either, like, you know, put it in the back of the net or to give it to somebody nearby. Um, you almost wish he had two landed Donovans in that kind of situation because he's really, you know, it's, it's an interesting dilemma to have where your best player is also the best, the most creative player on your team is also the best player on, on set pieces. And, unfortunately, you know, he's the person that has to take those free kicks, and you really wish that, you know, somebody else could, you know, kind of not, you know, you, you would hope that somebody would bring the similar quality of the of the kind of free kips, kicks that Dan, Donovan brings. But um, you'd also wish that, um, you know, that they, that they have a host of options besides Donovan. You know, Eddie Lewis can do it. Um, a few other guys can do it, and Adu can do it, and I think he'll get, I think Freddie Adu will get better at it. Um, you know, and it's just a matter of time. I mean, again, he's still only 18. He'll get there. Um, but in the meantime, between now and, you know, 2010, you're gonna need to find somebody else. It'll be helpful to find somebody else who can also take those free kicks. So then Donovan can, you know, actually do his magic during those free kicks rather than just taking them and just waiting for somebody to make a play.
1: Yeah, and, and uh, Eddie Lewis and Steve Rawson in the last cycle for World Cup qualifying were two of the guys that were really key on the set pieces. Uh, but I think both, certainly Ralston Knight, I think his time with the national team is done uh, up at his age. Although he still, I think he could, could help this national team in some aspects of play. Um, certainly not by the time of the next World Cup, but maybe we will see him you know, once or twice in World Cup qualifying. I would be a little surprised about that, but I mean, Eddie Lewis is still playing for the team. Um, he's probably not going to be uh, still available by the time of World Cup or still an option. Uh, but certainly there are some guys that could develop and become good set-piece takers to you know, give Donovan give some other options to the U.S., uh, the other thing, mentioning that you want to have Donovan on the other end of the ball, uh, if you watch these games, uh, a lot of the times you hear the announcer saying when Gucci goes up to take the throw-ins <laughs> that, I mean, this is a guy you want to have in the box. Exactly. can anyone take those long throw-ins other than him? But really, there's not that many players in the world that can take the throw-ins that he does. We've seen him, he does it for his club team as well in Belgium, taking those long throw-ins. He's a couple assists off of him as well. Um, that's more of a rare skill than even set-piece taking. taking. Yeah. There's very few players in the world that can actually do that. So, him as well, I think that's a valuable skill. It would be nice to have him, you know, really the tallest player on the U.S. up there in the box. But sometimes it's worth that trade off.
2: Yeah, it really is. And I mean, especially like a, a guy like Oñevo, and I, I very, very, very uh, distinctly recall the game against uh, Mexico earlier this year where he had a throw in deep in, uh, deep in Mexican territory, somehow managed to get it through the box, ends up going back to him, and he heads it right back in. And it's just something like, you know, unfortunately, that doesn't happen every time. But, um, but yeah, I mean, just, you would think it just, it's almost unfortunate to have your best, you know, pr- the best person, uh, you know, on throw-ins be pretty much your tallest guy. So, I mean, you know, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. So, um, you it would be nice, another nice, uh, you know, uh, it'd be another nice thing to have somebody come in and take, uh, you know, maybe some, somehow, it is such a rare, such a rare talent to be able to, like, just throw that ball, just get it in there and just, especially when you're deep you're within enemy territory, just to get it there, get it in the, into the box and, you know, hopefully somebody like will can, you know, convert that into like a goal or convert it into a, a great opportunity um, where Anyewu doesn't have to do it himself. So, you know, again, uh, the the set pieces. You're right. It, I think it all goes back to the set pieces. I mean, sometimes you see some of the games. Um, you know, against like Spain, you know, you know where they just the set pieces just weren't there. I mean, and that and against a, a club like Spain, against a, a club like Argentina, you really, really need to like take advantage of those set piece plays because you know against such such big teams like them, you gotta have to like convert those. And you have to, if not score, you have to create some chances. You're gonna have to create something that that makes them think twice when defending on those set, set pieces.
1: It's, certainly, that's a key aspect of the game. Mm. I just wanted to say one more time: if you listen to those announcers on ESPN, you think that it's a common thing to have someone who can throw the ball, you know, make it just as far as a corner <laughs> kick. I don't know what games they've been watching, but that is a complete rarity. And have a guy like Kanye was a huge asset to the team. You know, they they it seems like they're going after Bradley. Why do you have these guys taking the throw? And it's not a common thing. You know, you wouldn't, you really wouldn't know that listening to them. But uh, yeah. it can't, it can't be said enough that. That is not something you see every day. Most teams don't have a guy like that. I don't think the Revs have a guy that certainly that can no. throw the ball <laughs> that length at all. I'm not sure any guy in MLS, really, that I've seen recently can throw the ball that long. Mm. It's, it's not it's not a common thing at all. Mm. Uh, but, again, as I said, the U.S. coming away with an 8-0 victory. Uh, certainly looks good going in next weekend. Uh, we'll try to catch up on some of the other CONCACAF scores. We're going to take a quick break here. I'll try to get some of those other World Cup qualifying scores, see if uh, Bermuda actually did pull off the big upset over Trinidad and Tobago. And then we'll be back after the break, talk a little bit more about that, and then talk about the uh, Revs' performance on Thursday.
0: Looking for soccer in New England? It's all right here at Soccer New England Magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com. New England's premier soccer magazine celebrating over 20 years of in-depth soccer coverage. Professional teams, college soccer, men's and women's amateur leagues, youth and high school teams, Soccer New England magazine's got it covered. Looking for youth soccer camps? You'll find them here. Dedicated to bringing the excitement of soccer home to you with stories, scores, and insights in both print and on the web. Soccer New England magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com covering the entire sport for the entire region for over 20 years.
2: The National Soccer Hall of Fame is every fan's dream. It's the history of the game in pictures and video, World Cups and jerseys. Visit us online at www.soccerhall.org
0: and plan your trip to Oneonta. And now back to Revolution Recap with Sean Donahue on WNRI AM 1380.
1: Welcome back to Revolution Recap. I'm Sean Donahue. Again, joined by Brian O'Connell from RevsNet.com in the studio. I did say we we're going to talk a little about the Revs game. Of course, they coming away with a two to, two to nothing victory uh, in Houston on Thursday night. A very impressive performance from the Revs. Uh, Steve Nichols switching to a 4-4-2 formation again. Uh, the same formation that really worked well uh, in Dallas as well when they went down to Texas and came away with a two to one victory there. Um, actually, it's great to see that Nichols do, doing this this year. You know, making these changes. Uh, in the past, we've seen him go on the road and maybe switch to a 4 one formation where it really hasn't gotten the job done. But I think Nichols found a, you know, a great option on the road when guys like Shari Joseph, who was away with the Granada national team, uh, are missing from the team. So certainly a big result for the Revs. Twelman, again, still out. Uh, Mansali out. Cono Smith out, again, playing with Bermuda today. Um, so a depleted Revs squad switching to a 4-4-2. Pat Phelan, the guy they just traded for mm-hmm. from Toronto getting a start, uh, maybe not the best performance from him in his debut, but still, you know, solid play from a guy who's, you know, hasn't didn't play at all for Toronto. Comes in, you know, two days later, almost from training with the team, gets his first start. Uh, a great result for the Reds to come out of Houston with, you know, two early goals and leave with another shutout and five wins in their last six games. Uh, the other game, of course, being a tie, a big comeback tie against DC United. So. Uh, the Revs are really on a roll right now.
2: Yeah, they are. And I mean, you know, you have to, I think the one thing you have to say about the Revs this year is that they would definitely take advantage of the opportunities. Um, you know, obviously they were missing Shari and, uh, and Kano to, um, to World Cup qualifying. Uh, and at the same time, at the same token, uh, Houston was missing Brian Ching. They were also missing Dwayne DeVosario De and they were missing Pat-, Pat Onsad. But, and look, going into that game, it's almost e- dead even as far as the talent goes. But, you know, somehow, some way, you know, the, it, it, nickel has just been, Almost, you know, genius when it comes to these matchups when they go on the road. Like you said, FC Dallas going in there and going with like a 4-5-1. Uh, this time going into Houston with a 4-4-2. And just, you know, having having guys step up. And, I mean, if you asked anyone at the beginning of the season who the leading scorer for the rest of this show would be, and you would to say Kelly Dubay, get a lot of odd looks. So, I mean, just the fact that you have guys who are stepping up, who are taking advantage of spots, um, you know obviously Kelly Dubay being the biggest beneficiary of you know not being able to play with injury due to injury um, you can't help but just you know wonder like you just can't help but just you know shake your head and say like wow like it's just it's just amazing that the revs can keep doing this you know given given the guys that who aren't on the team who weren't on the team last week and just guys you know if somebody's injured or if somebody needs, gets called up for qual- world cup qualifying you know another guy steps right in and it's almost a seamless fit so and then you also mentioned Phelan. i mean Phelan, was you know he did okay i mean he did it as expected for a guy who you know pr- pretty much was limited to reserve role with with toronto fc. And um, you know he he performed pretty admirably. You know he'll get better. Um, but given the fact that it was it was a short week for it was a short, short week for them, and you know they go into Houston against the Dynamo at Houston, and you know and they come out with two nothing. Not too bad. Not too bad.
1: You also got to mention the temperature there. It's oh yeah, extremely hot, and especially for a you guy know, like Phelan coming up from Toronto, having trained up there. <laughs> you know, just maybe two or three days training in New England and then going down to Houston. Uh, that certainly can't kind have of helped his performance. Uh, but again, going back to the guys you said were uh, out, Dwayne De Rosario for Houston, Brian Cheng for Houston, Pat Onsad for Houston. Dwayne De Rosario, Brian Cheng, those are guys who have combined for uh, directly combined for well over half of Houston's goals, and that's something that's worth noting too, because the Revs have been without Swann pretty much all season, and they've really been able to make up for his absence with some of these guys. Uh, haven't really suffered too much offensively because of that. I think certainly he's a guy that can even help the team even further when he gets back. But Houston, I don't think, has the depth of the refs, and I think we saw that uh, certainly on Thursday night and throughout the season when these guys have been out. They haven't really been able to get goals. Brian Ching and Dwayne De Rosario have really been the team's entire offense, uh, with a few exceptions. They've got a couple of goals from defenders going up on set pieces, uh, but otherwise they haven't really had a, a lot of goals other than those two. Uh, that certainly hurt them on Thursday night, but at the same time, the revs were without several key players as well. They were just able to make up for it better.
2: Yeah, and it's uh, you know you go back to the you know I think one one critical thing to uh, to Houston to Houston's uh, you know uh, you know having those the past two MLS Cups is the fact that they've had incredible incredible depth, and I think it's almost like a revolt. It's almost like a roller reversal between New England this year and Houston when the fact that. It's you know it's this year around this time around it's it's New England has all it has almost um, almost unlimited depth and it's Houston that doesn't have the depth this year so I mean it'll be interesting to see like when you know when the season rolls towards its end and you know regular season ends and and then we have you know the the revs and you also have uh you also have uh Houston just you know Probably two playoff-caliber teams again this year, you know, probably going back. Um, I don't think it would shock anybody if they both went back to MLS Cup. But it would be interesting to see if they went back to MLS Cup, I think, at this point in time. I mean, they both have a, a very, very hectic schedule. at Super League, CONCACAF, Champions Cup, uh, U.S. Open Cup, and what have you. And it's just, you know, it like you would say, it's, it's depth. And I think that the fact that they rely so heavily on Ching and the fact that they rely so heavily on Dave Rosario is almost a lot like last year where the Revs were heavily relied on and they heavily relied on Noonan. And, uh, you know, and up until like, the last few weeks of the season, they heavily re- relied on Andy Dorman. So, um, you know, it's almost, like a, it's almost like a switch of the teams, I mean, as far as the situation goes. The Revs have all the depth, and Houston is struggling to find that kind of depth that they've had in the past couple of years.
1: Yeah, that's definitely a good point. And, uh, you look at a guy like Kelly Dubé, who you mentioned earlier. He scored in all but one of his starts now. Mm. Um, I think last week wasn't necessarily his best performance. Thursday, though, he really turned things up and had an excellent performance, set up Rawson on the first goal. You know, great play getting up there. Uh, pr- probably a rookie in his situation, might have shot from there, but he certainly recognized Rawson was coming, made a nice pass back. Uh, Rawson tapped it. Again, this was the guy that was taken in the supplemental draft. You, you certainly don't expect much at all from your supplemental draft picks. Uh, I mean, late-round picks have uh, at times shown well for the Rebs. A guy like Jeff Laruntowitz, who yep. was picked really late, did well, but uh, that's really the exception, not the rule. And Dubé has been really Im- impressive for the Rebs. He got an assist last night and then another goal on Thursday. I mean, on Thursday, I got an assist on Thursday and then a goal on Thursday, too. Uh, nice goal there, too, as well. So he's really been a key player in, in the in Twalman's absence. Mansali had stepped up well, had a couple of goals there, too. Um, now, Crispin's been playing well with Mansali out as well. Hmm. So, again, they're on their, really the, probably their third and fourth choice forwards, although Dubé uh, might be making a case for himself to yeah. maybe get past Mansali. But uh, at the same time, unheard of depth from last year. I think if you saw Noonan and Twalman out last year, uh, this Revs team would really— Really not be in the situation they are now. Um, can't say enough about how how well Steve Nichol and, uh, and and uh, Paul Mar- Paul Mariner have come up this year to bring in some good guys that uh, hadn't not really known players at all, but guys that have stepped up. Some good scouting from those two.
2: Yeah, good scouting, great scouting. I would say, <laughs> considering uh, you know who they find in the in the, in the uh, supplemental draft. Uh, you know, it's interesting to see you see a guy like Dubay. You know, really, really step up, and th- he's a guy that was obviously you know r- according to every team in MLS. Now we're taking a pick on in you know in the super draft. And you see him step up and then you see a guy like, and obviously no offense to Rob Valentino, he's been hurt, but it's, it's uncanny to see that a guy in the supplemental round pretty much outshines guys that were taken in the first, in, in uh, in Super draft. So, I mean, uh, you know, a credit, an absolute credit to, you know, the Rev Scouting Department, to guys like Nickel and guys like Mariner and guys like Mike Burns, who, you know, I'm sure they scour the country, uh, and, and find guys like this. And I thought it was an interesting note, uh, it was mentioned during the, uh, it was mentioned during the game that, I believe Dubai and, and uh and former Houston striker uh, Joseph Nguena both went to Coastal Carolina College and I think it was John Harks had mentioned that you know maybe some maybe some MLS uh managers may want to start, start those uh Coast of Carolina college games more often because of the fact that, you know, you have two pretty decent players that came out of there, um guys that were like fairly unheralded and just have made made an impact on MLS and obviously Nguyenya's in Europe right now, but um just look at Dubay, I mean a guy who just, you know, supplemental guy, you expect him to, you know, maybe contribute to the reserve team, and then, you know, injuries occur, and he steps up with the first team, and he leads, he leads the uh, club in goals.
1: You mentioned Gwenya, uh, not really revs news, but him and a guy like Nate Jaco, well, I believe they're both out of contract yeah. now, after just leaving the yeah. offseason, you know, maybe six months ago, uh, talking to Bernardo Fias from the Houston Chronicle last week, uh, he said those are two guys that might come back to Houston, and certainly that would change things for them as far as their depth up top uh, if one of those guys comes back, and, you know, that could bring a different dynamic to the team, uh, but, again, the revs have shown really well this year that they have the depth to compete with anyone, uh, something that maybe has been their weak spot in the past years. Uh, last year they got lucky. They didn't really have a lot of serious injuries like they've had this year with uh, Twelman out for so long, Rawlson out for a good length of time, Chris Albert out for a while. Uh, so certainly that makes a difference. Uh, it's also great to see the versatility of these guys, though, yeah. too, um, with heaps now playing on left back <laughs> and now playing in center back in this four-four-two yeah. formation. Igwe has really stepped up after not playing at all last year. Um, Chris Albright looked good. Um, certainly looks... I think he looks better in a four-man back line on the right, but it's still done very well in a three-man back line, you know, adjusting to that formation. Castro has looked like an upgrade from Kano Smith. you got guys like Kano Smith, and even Yossi now seems to be coming off the bench. Yeah. Uh, bring on two guys with that kind of speed. Uh, three or four years ago, that would be unheard of from the Revs. Um, certainly a great thing for the Revs to do, too. I think we've seen in the past, I know uh, in the conference final against Chicago, the one they lost... Uh, they brought on Justin Map off the bench, and no one on the Revs could keep up with his speed. Now mm-hmm. it's the Revs that are in a situation to do that. Uh, tired legs late in the game. They have these two guys that I can br- they can bring onto the field. So it's not just four at four. They have depth, in the defense they have in de- they have depth. Uh, now in the central midfield they have depth because of course Shari Joseph was out, but Gary Flood was out too, and he's the direct yeah. replacement for Shari Joseph. You know, in that lineup. So I don't think you can talk enough about who the Revs are brought in you now in these past couple seasons to. Know, turn things around, so they were ready for when these injuries came.
2: Yeah, it, but I, I I think it also it also goes back to it goes back to scouting. But I think if you ask anybody, um, if they would have expected the revs to be you know pretty much on top top of the table right now with the personnel that they have on the field at the beginning of the season, a lot of people would scoff at you. I mean, they would say, yeah, right. They would say, you know, um, you know, you need 12 men. If you're going to be at the top, you need 12 men healthy. You need Ralston healthy for the full season. Um, and, again, it's a credit to the uh, to the scouting department. And, like you had said, like to have guys like Hano Smith and to have guys like Mansali come off the be- I mean, Niasi come off the bench and just be able to, like, you know, against tired legs, they're gonna, just going to create more opportunities. And even a guy like Wells Thompson, to a certain extent, is just a guy who comes seems to come flying right off the bench, and he gives them even more um, you know, speed off the bench you know, late in games. And he seems to t- kind of be the guy that comes in and is usually the first uh, sub-inserted. Um, if not him, and then it's uh, then it's Niasse. So I mean, just the I mean, it's just uh, you know the 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 amount of depth that they have that this club has. I mean, it's just it, it'll really really test them once the uh, once the tournaments come around this summer. But I mean, for the most part, right now they're really really holding their own. They're really showing that uh, you know they're really showing why the revs are on you know, top of the table, you know, comfortably. And, um, you know, you just hope that, you know, barring any more injuries to the guys that, that we already have in place, that, uh, it'll be, it'll be a trend that continues throughout the rest of the season.
1: And going into the season, too, there was a lot of calls for the Revs to yeah. you know, go after a designated player. Um, we've seen other teams with designated players do well. Um, uh, I think the Galaxy, um, you know, they, they certainly had their trade-offs from bringing in David Beckham. Um, and Brandon Donovan has a huge salary as well. Um, uh, but because they haven't brought a designated player, they've been able to, you know, make some of these signings, um, where, where they really have a, a if you look at the other teams in the league, and, you know, their roster is making probably a lot less than most of these teams <laughs> that are well below them. So that's something to look at. If you look at the Galaxy, as you mentioned, you as I mentioned, you bring in a guy like David Beckham, the whole rest of the team suffers. Th- their defense is really weak. They've scored a lot of goals this year from bringing back Carlos Ruiz, but mm. um, that's a team with a lot of weaknesses despite sitting at the top of the Western Conference right there. Um, Chicago, uh, I think they've improved a lot this year, but again, they've had some poor form in recent weeks, uh, even with Blanco on the team. Um, Columbus as well. They're not a team that has had a designated player. Uh, of course, Scalotto bringing in, but not making quite as much as a guy like Blanco. But mm. they've turned things around as well this year uh, with a three-nothing victory today after a little bit of a long form there. So now the Revs uh, and Columbus probably the top two teams in the league right now, uh, at least by the standings. Two teams without a designated player. So I don't think it is necessary. Certainly at this point. Have a designated player and compete in this league?
2: Oh no way! And I mean, even if you, I think you look back to last year. I mean, just going back to the obviously last year, was the first year that they brought in the DPA, and um, I think the statistic was I think only two two of the six teams that had DPAs last year made the playoffs, and I think it was and I think it was uh, let's see Dallas and I believe it was Chicago. Yeah, Dallas and Chicago were the only two teams that had designated players that went to the playoffs, and you know LA obviously didn't make the playoffs. Um, and it's just it's just a, a testament to the. Uh, you know that you you can have all the DPAs you want. You want to trade them if you want to trade you know slots, that's fine. Um, but you can just as well win this league without one, in, and then you can save yourself the money by paying guys you know who do well in this league. And you know and if you want to maintain a core like a good core like the refs have done in the past few years, you know just keep the guys in place, pay them a little bit more year in and year out, and you know you'll get you'll get just as good results if not better as if as as resulting in this year's top two teams in Columbus and in New England. So I mean you know invest the money in scouting, I guess you could say.
1: And certainly, I don't, I don't think there's any question that your depth is going to suffer when you have to put so much money into one player. Absolutely. And we've seen that with the Red Bulls this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Juan Pablo on hell, Claudio Reyna both out, uh, lost 4-1 to one to D.C. They've really been struggling in a lot of these games this year. Uh, a couple of big losses without those guys. Now, Josie Altidore off uh, off to Spain, as we mentioned earlier. Um, those two guys, uh, uh, Angel and Altidore, have really been, as we mentioned, similar to, to Chang and De Rosario for Houston, uh, the majority of their offense has come through those two. I believe I believe Alcidore alone has been directly responsible for 40% wow. of New York's offense. So that's something that's going to hurt them. As you mentioned, the Reds playing New York on Wednesday. health uh, still going to be out. Raina's still going to be out, uh, at least according to Dylan Butler's article that I read a couple of days ago. And we'll have him on from BigAppleSoccer.com uh, a little bit later on the show to talk more about the Red Bulls. But uh, that's another team that a lot of injuries, not a lot of depth. I know they have uh, Walniak on the bench who can and guys, but after that, uh, no no real no real depth there, and, and even he's a guy that you can't expect too much production from, as we've seen over the years. So uh, I think it can be more more important to get you know a solid starting te- team and then some great depth than to put so much money just into one guy.
2: Yeah, and I mean you know you, you talk about Walniak, and you also but they also I believe they also have a kid named uh, Daniel Borman over there that you know uh, a guy that you know uh, doesn't really fit the mold. He was a, another supplemental guy. He comes in, he makes an, an impact with them. Um, obviously they still have Dan Richards. I think a big mistake that they did in, that they had in the offseason was to let Francis Stowe go. Um, a very, very underrated player. He, I, I just think that, you know, if he'd he just given him a little bit more time, he could have become, a, you know, obviously not a, a, an outdoor quality player, but a guy who would, Obviously, create chances when, um, you know, when Altidore was would eventually leave. So, you know, again, it, it all goes back. I think it all goes back to scouting. I mean, you, you know, the the Red Bulls placed all their chickens. I mean, put all their eggs in one basket when they when they brought in Rain and they brought in Juan Pablo and Hal, and um, you know, and when guys like that can't play. You you have to have guys in place ready to step up, otherwise there's going to be a huge gap in talent. I mean, there's a huge gap in performance in between those guys, um, because obviously there's there's no such thing as a as a soccer player that's 100 percent healthy. I mean, whether or not it's 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 all a matter of you know uh, of having guys to replace guys who can't who can't show up or, or get or especially now especially this year and next year we get called to World Cup qualifying.
1: Absolutely, and I think another problem with them too is that they didn't do enough to improve their defense. That's been a weak hmm. spot for them over the years. Uh, and again, as I mentioned, some big losses this year. If you look over their schedule, they lost 4-1 to last night to D.C. United. Earlier in the season, they lost 5-1 to in Chicago. Um, again, their defense, uh, as, as poor as their offense has been at time this year, uh, they haven't scored more than two goals in any game this entire season, which, you know, for the players that they have up top, even when they have been healthy, uh, is a little bit surprising. But their defense has been a real weak spot in this team and something that the Revs have been over, able to explore over the years and something that I expect them to explore as well on Wednesday night
2: yeah and uh and and like you had said i I fully expect them to exploit it as well um especially when you have especially when you have a guy like Steve Nickel. like you know I'm sure you know they may go back to three five two um but you know what there was nothing wrong with the four four two um you know against Houston so and then just to have all the guys that that can come off the bench the guys speedy guys you could have mansali. And uh into up front and you know, or you could have, you know, Crispin and or, or Crispin in Dubay up front. I mean it's just it's just the the, the wealth of options that Steve Nichol has to just, you know, it's pretty much attack, you know, piece by piece these teams that don't even have close to the amount of depth that that the Revs have is just it's incredible. And it's something that, you know, I'm sure that Steve Nichols already taking into account how to just how how to best exploit the uh the Red Bull defense.
1: And again with the World Cup qualifiers I'm not sure know if these players are going to be coming back, but I believe Shari mm-hmm. Joseph is still probably going to be out because they have another game next weekend. I would be surprised if he came and played a midweek game. Mansali's actually got another game next weekend as well. He's been out for a while now mm-hmm. with his national team. But I believe after next weekend they should be back, at least in time for the uh, Toronto game, which I believe is on the 28th around then. Um, and then Connell Smith as well, another game next weekend. Not sure about Matt Reese. I would expect him to be back, especially since he didn't play today. Uh, don't know what the deals with Tim Howard's injury. Um, certainly I would hope unless, he's going, unless uh, Bob Bradley is going to be playing him next week, and that uh, he would at least come back and be available Wednesday because uh, he's a guy that I don't know if the Revs have the depth to replace as much as we <laughs> talked about that. Uh, Doug Warren, not a bad keeper, but no, um, no. No, nobody in MLS really is as good as Matt Reese, especially what we saw last And Again, making another penalty kick save, a big save there. Uh, Could have changed the game, uh, How they pulled yeah. him back. As ridiculous as that penalty call was, <laughs> yeah. um, didn't talk much about that. But again, Parker is taking out. Uh, the Columbus Crew forward, I'm not the Columbus Crew forward, I mean the Houston forward, Caraccio at the top of the box, um, didn't questionable whether or not it was a foul. I think he got the ball there. He did come in from behind, but it looked to me like it was a fair challenge. And it was also right at the top of the box. um, I think most referees would say that was out of the box, given a free kick, uh, but again, given a penalty there. Uh, But some good karma there as (laughs) Reese came back to, to make the save, so... You know, a, a good performance there again from Reese, who's done so well over over the past three games, especially and over the season as a whole.
2: Yeah, absolutely, especially the last three games, especially uh, you know, uh, playing playing against um, you know playing against Dallas, you know, last Friday, just remarkably uh, ten saves. I mean, he pretty much you know the revs the revs looked on fire the first half of that game, and then just to come back, in you know, the second half, you know, FC, uh, you know Dallas comes back with like you know just absolutely overwhelms the revs the revs backs in the second half. Um, you know, I. I I Had a feeling that you know it was, was going to be like you know they were going to equalize like late and then you know Reese just comes up big and you're right the last three performances from Reese have just been sensational I mean if there's one guy if, if you know aside from Dubay I think it's Reese and Dubay have been the biggest performers down uh, these last couple of weeks and um, and you can't say enough about Matt Reese and any you know and not, and not to take anything away from Doug Warren but anything other than Matt Reese and goal for the for the Revolution is is just going to have to be a downgrade just because of the fact that Reese is an elite keeper in this league.
1: I should say I was saying the same thing, though, about Shari Joseph last week who played every game this season, and he's been, you know, him along with Reese and Dubey, certainly been the top three performers for the Revs. I'd say, uh, over the entire season, along with maybe Steve Ralston. Uh, But Joseph, he's a guy that's tough to replace. They managed to do that last weekend. Uh, Reese may be a little bit different in the goalkeeping spot, but uh, certainly they've done well even with some of their stars out. We are going to take another quick break here, though, and then we'll be back with uh, Dylan Butler from BigAppleSoccer.com to talk a little bit more about... Uh, the upcoming game with the Red Bulls, and maybe why the Red Bulls now have been so inconsistent this season.
2: national soccer hall of fame is every fan's dream it's the history of the game in pictures and video world cups and jerseys visit us online at www.soccerhall.org and plan your trip to oneonta
0: looking for soccer in new england It's all right here at Soccer New England Magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com. New England's premier soccer magazine celebrating over 20 years of in-depth soccer coverage. Professional teams, college soccer, men's and women's amateur leagues, youth and high school teams. Soccer New England Magazine's got it covered. Looking for youth soccer camps? You'll find them here. Dedicated to bringing the excitement of soccer home to you with stories, scores, and insights in both print and on the web. Soccer New England Magazine, and SoccerNewEngland.com, covering the entire sport for the entire region for over 20 years. And now back to Revolution Recap with Sean Donahue on WNRI AM 1380.
1: Welcome back to Revolution Recap. I'm Sean Donahue again, joined in studio by Brian O'Connell from Reznet.com. We are trying to get Dylan Butler uh, from BigAppleSoccer.com over the phone, and I think we actually have him right now. Uh, Dylan, how are you doing?
3: Good, Sean. How are you?
1: Good. Thanks a lot for joining us today.
3: Yeah, no, it's uh, my pleasure.
1: So the Red Bulls last night, uh, obviously missing some key players in uh, Angel, out the door, Claudio Reyna, uh, but got to be disappointed with the 4-1 loss to D.C.
3: Uh, very much so. I mean, you know, they, they knew uh, Juan Carlos Osorio knew that was the situation certainly going in. Uh, he knew also that uh, Chris Megaludis, who could have been an option off the bench up front, uh, was going to play for Puerto Rico. Actually, scored a goal for Puerto Rico in a 2-2 draw with Honduras. So, uh, you know, they they knew what they were missing coming in. Um, they they had a formate, a 4-5-1 formation with John Walniak up front as a lone striker, but uh, they just didn't they didn't possess the ball. They didn't uh, you know they didn't really do much defensively. Certainly, and and, and the results. Uh, the result was, was, was pretty clear in a 4-1 loss.
1: So this Red Bulls team, um, now as you mentioned, without Altidore, uh, I was going over to Spain. Uh, he's been responsible for, uh, up until last night's game, I believe, directly responsible with either goal or assist 40% of their offense. Uh, do they have a guy to replace them? I know they have on hell out too, which is a big loss, but uh, do you think anyone might be coming into this Red Bulls team in the next couple of weeks, You know, maybe bringing a new player or even anyone on the bench that you know can step up?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think for for the for the uh, for the near future, you know, near being, you know, maybe the next game up in New England, um, Chris Megalutis could be an option. Like I just said, you know, he hasn't he hasn't had any time just yet up front. But uh, Osorio was was saying that uh, if he didn't go to Puerto Rico, he he likely would have been part of uh, part of his team. Maybe not starting. Maybe Walniak would have still started, but he would have come off the bench. Uh, So, so for the near future, I think that that he would be an option. You know, he's a big, strong, uh, powerful forward. He's good with both feet. Uh, he, he's deceptively dangerous around the box. So uh, he's certainly someone to look for up at Gillette on, on Wednesday. But uh, other than that, I mean, Osario went down to Argentina last weekend with, with the Red Bulls playing last Thursday. He, he had the opportunity to, to do some scouting down there. Uh, you know, he he's he said all along that he's looking for a... a For a central defender, left-footed central defender, a left-sided midfielder, maybe a playmaker, and and now he's also added a forward to his to his shopping list. So uh, no indications just yet on on, on a forward coming in, uh, possibly from Argentina. But you know there is uh, uh, a Venezuelan uh, left-sided midfielder that uh, uh, Rojas, um, uh, Jorge Rojas, who's on the national team. They're their captain actually, Venezuela's captain. uh, He's close to signing. Uh, there's also a Mexican international, uh, defender, uh, youth international defender, I should say, Diego, uh, Jimenez, who's been offered a contract. So, uh, there's two players right there who, who could be, who could be close, but, uh, there's still a, a lot more that Osorio wants to change.
2: Dylan, Brian O'Connell from RevsNet.com. How are you doing?
3: Hey, Brian, how are
2: you? I'm all right. I just have a question for you about, uh, a guy that kind of burst onto the scene this year as far as, uh, the Red Bulls go. Um, a kid named Danley Borman. Can you just go into a little bit about him? Uh, kind of been a shocker a kid that was picked in the uh, supplemental draft uh, maybe just give give me your take on like what you think he uh, he brings to this club this year he,
3: he's similar in a way um, to Dan Richards uh, where they play him he's play him out wide he, he's got a ton of pace on, on the uh, on the left side and I, I've been very impressed with him just in terms of, of scoring he didn't score a whole lot uh, up up there at, at URI when when he was playing it, it collegially but uh I mean, he he struck the two goals, and and kind of joked about his uh, his celebrations. Uh, you know, maybe they weren't the greatest, but uh, you got to love the confidence of, of a young kid to kind of step up uh, and and you know even just think about having a, a to think about having a, a celebration means that you're you're confident about scoring, and and he likes to have that out, out of a young kid. But he's he has been a a, a great find. Uh, Luke Sassano is another kid too who. Uh, another rookie who's been in the starting lineup last night. He played in Claudio Reyna's role in the advanced uh, midfield. He's also played defensive midfield. He's played out wide. So I think those are, are, are two young players that, that certainly Osorio is, is, uh, is very happy about right now.
1: And going into Wednesday's match, I know we mentioned uh, Reyna and Angel were out for last weekend's game. Uh, I know I, I read your column and said that they're going to be out for a little bit. Are, are, they, are they definitely going to be out for this Wednesday's game against the Revs?
3: Yeah, unless something miraculous happens on hell. The, the whole thing that Osario was saying was that on hell, is, is certainly they're looking at the Dallas game next Saturday at Giants Stadium. Uh, I mean, he's he's kind of he's got three injuries, really. He's got a, a nerve-related um, uh, back issue that, that caused some hamstring uh, pain. He, he had... Two herniated discs, and, and he picked up a, a slight uh, hamstring strain as well against Chivas just after he scored uh, in their last win last Thursday. So he's he's definitely out. And, and Reyna, really, there, there's not much of a timetable for him. Uh, so, the, so while hell is expected back for Dallas, that's not even necessarily the the, the thing with uh, with Claudio.
1: And were you surprised at all that? Arena came back this season after, you know, last year where he was pretty injured and, you know, brought in by a guy like Bruce Arena, um, that they put so much money into him again to bring him back for the season?
3: Well, I mean, he he did have the guaranteed contract, so it it was kind of on him whether or not he, uh, you know, the question was whether he was going to retire or not. Yeah. Uh, He clearly believed he he can come back. And, and, you know, it's strange. I mean, certainly a lot of Red Bull fans are are kind of scratching their heads over him coming back, but uh, it, it's tough because, I mean, when, when he's, when he's it, it's a big uh, sort of if, but, you know, whenever he's healthy, he, he's, he's very good, uh, you know, when he, he still has a lot to offer this team, unfortunately, those times are, are very few and far between, but, you know, he, he's a great organizer uh, offensively, uh, he's got great vision, he's a very good passer, but, you know, as, as any Red Bull fan will tell you, that's, that that hasn't happened, uh, or he hasn't been healthy very often. Certainly in his in his two years, so um, it has been a, a certainly a disappointment uh, in terms of in terms of that designated player spot.
1: It, it seemed like to me, at least, that last year, you know, kind of a weak spot of this rebels team was their defense. Um, they didn't really make too many changes uh, as far as that goes coming into the season with uh, uh, Andrew Boyens coming in uh, this year from Toronto. But I don't think he's really a, you know, that much of a difference maker for this team. Uh, did you think they were going to focus more on that in the off-season, and uh, has that been another one of their problems this year I mean their offense too as well this year uh, maybe hasn't scored as many goals uh, as we would have expected from a guy like at least from Juan Pablo on hell only has two so far
3: sure no I mean the uh, that's the thing I mean it, it, it's tough you know Osorio comes in and and you know he wants to put a stamp on it and it honestly there, there, there's a lot to, to fix so you know he's got to try to pick and choose his spots he's uh, you know, he likes to have defenders who, who could play with the ball, who could, who could play out of trouble, who are good with their feet. Um, Boyan that is not necessarily, I think, uh, you know, the answer. I think right now he's just sort of a bit of a band-aid back there. And and like I said, he, he this Diego Jimenez, uh, 22-year-old Mexican, uh, he played a bit uh, for for Ticos in um, in Mexico. You know, he's He's a guy who, who, who is left-footed, who, who is comfortable on the ball. Uh, again, the contract offer is out there, and, and Osorio was hoping for an answer Friday. That didn't come. And, you know, if, if they don't hear maybe by the end of uh, this weekend, which is certainly coming up shortly, you know, they, they're going to start to, again, look around. So there's the, the positive thing for them, I, I suppose, is, you know, with Josie's uh, departure, there's uh, about $400,000 worth of, of, of an allocation, that they they can use to, to get some players, and you know four hundred thousand dollars in MLS. If if you spend it wisely, you probably can get three good players.
1: And with this team going into Wednesday, um, how do you think they're going to respond from this loss? How, how have they looked over the season? I, mean, I know they've had a you know a couple of big losses going through, and of course last night was being one of them. How does this team usually respond to losses like this?
3: Well, I mean, there's certainly a lot of pride in the locker room. I was, I was, I was there last night in D.C. and and to to a man, they're all saying that, you know, they're they're happy that there's, there's such a short turnaround that they, you know, they don't want a loss like this to to linger. That they can, uh, it's important certainly to turn it around right away. But uh, I mean, as you guys know, <laughs> Gillette Stadium has not been kind to the Red Bulls uh, historically, certainly, and and uh, that continued even up until last year and. Uh, it, it's it's getting getting a point you know getting a point let alone three is is I think going to be a huge task against the against the revs team that certainly looks like they're they're back
0: in form.
2: Dylan, you talked a little bit about, uh, Osario really putting a stamp on the team this year. Um, you know, given the fact that, you know, Arena came in before him, uh, was really given a season and a half to kind of turn things around. Um, and then obviously, uh, kind of, uh, the Red Bulls and, um, and Arena parted ways after the end of the season last year. Um, how much, how much time do you think that the, uh, do you think that the corporate heads kind of give Osario? Um, to really turn the, turn it around, I mean, obviously, I Arena mean, was there a year and a half, but how much time do you think that? Uh, how patient do you think uh, Red Bull will be with uh, Osaria?
3: That's that's a great question. <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> certainly, uh, it, it, it remains to be seen because again, this is an ownership group that is certainly, in terms of MLS, very new. So, uh, you know, the the, the, the Mark de Grandpre, who was the managing director, said on a conference call when when they parted ways with with Bruce that. You know the goal every year is to win MLS Cup, and and they fell short of that, and they were looking for a change. So, um, if they don't win MLS Cup, does that mean that Osorio is gone? I, I I hope not. I mean, if there's one thing this organization needs, it's some stability, and, and they have not had that really from the beginning. I mean, you know what what is it? Eleven coaches now, uh, twelve coaches, and in their history, that's 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 crazy. And, and, and you know, if you want to look at a, at a parallel at, at a successful organization, it's right up there in New England where. You know, there hasn't been a, a lot of change, not only in, in personnel on the field, but certainly in, you know, in, in the coaching ranks. So you'd hope that they give him time. I, I think he's a great soccer mind. I think he has the ability to, to, to turn things around a bit. He certainly showed that last year in Chicago in, in, a, in a short period of time. But do they, does Red Bull have patience? That's the, that's the you know, million-dollar question right there.
1: A uh, question about John Conway, the Rebels goalkeeper. Uh, do you think he has what it takes to be a starter in this league? I know I haven't seen every game this year. He has made uh, certainly some gaps in the past. Uh, his save percentage, I believe, right now, the lowest of any MLS starting keeper. Obviously, the statistics don't tell the whole story. But uh, what have you seen from him this year? Is he going to be a guy that you know can can pick up his game in the future and maybe be you know a starting caliber keeper in this league? Is he going to get there?
3: Well, he's, he's been in the league. You know, long enough where I think he he deserves a shot right now, and and uh, you know what he does with that, it it's, it again that's another question mark too that the Red Bulls came in. I mean, he was never this is his first year really as a as a full time at least coming into their season as a full time uh, starting keeper. But think about it too the last two years when they were in the playoffs, Conway was was in net. You know, a couple years ago it was Tony Miola and and Conway. Kind of took his spot, and then and then Ronald Waterhouse last year, and so you know this this is a big opportunity for, for John. I, I think at you know he, he's kind of at that age where you know it, it, well goalkeepers, as you guys know, I mean they they it's a bit like wine, I guess they get better with age. So uh, I, I think he, he's got the potential, but but again too with with, with the changes in, in the back line and and. With them leaking goals, where they have, I mean, this is uh, they, they gave up four goals last night. They gave up five to Chicago just three games before that. So uh, they're certainly not all his fault. You can't really pin everything on on, on Conway. But um, you know, defensively, they certainly are. They are struggling.
1: And before we let you go, could you tell us a little about uh, Big Apple soccer and what you know, maybe a Red's fan who wanted to find out a little bit more about the you know the Red Bulls, the big rivals, how they're doing, uh, can find on that website.
3: Yeah, no, I think, uh, Michael Lewis, um, started it, uh, with me several years, uh, not several, a few years ago, and, and really the, the concept was, uh, with, with soccer coverage dwindling in, in, newspapers, you know, we, we thought we'd put out a, a website where you can, where you can sort of get all those stories that, that aren't making it into print anymore. So, uh, it, certainly it's, it's very Red Bull, uh, uh heavy, but, you know, we've got, uh, the, our, our USL teams in the area. You know, I covered a, an open cup match with an amateur side that played Real Maryland on on, on Friday night uh, down at the Soccerplex in, in Maryland. So uh, it's really kind of, uh, as the name says, it's you know, Big Apple soccer. It's, it's really soccer from from the youth level up to the pros in the New York metropolitan area. So we we try to run the gamut there.
1: Well, thanks a lot for joining us today, and keep up the great work. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks, Dylan. Again, that was uh, Dylan Butler from BigAppleSoccer.com. We do have just a couple minutes left here. Uh, of course, should mention the Rebs game taking place uh, on Wednesday at home on 7.30 p.m. Uh, certainly should be an interesting game. If you can't make it, uh, that, again, that game on TV 38. And then uh, another game coming up on Saturday, 9.30 p.m. Uh, in Salt Lake on 38. Another team that uh, certainly the Revs will be hoping to beat. Uh, But they're also a team that's improved a little bit this year. I believe they got a win this weekend over Chivas USA in Los Angeles. Their first win, I believe, at the Home Depot Center. Uh, So they're a team that's still struggling a bit, but has turned things around a bit this year as well. Um, so some some interesting games coming up for the Revs, uh without some key players. Still, it'll be interesting to see if they can keep that winning streak going.
2: Yeah, and um, and especially with uh, you know those games will be critical going into the summer, especially you know with the uh, with the amount of tournaments taking place starting in, just starting in July. We'll have uh, U.S. Open Cup, we'll have Superliga, we'll have Concacaf Champions Cup later on, and it's just you know it'll really be a great it could be a great launching pad for them to you know move forward and having the confidence to go into those tournaments. Um, and then again, it could it could also serve a negative. Uh, conversely, it could also serve as you know um, a bad. It could be a bad thing for them. You know, if they lose, if they drop a couple of those games, or if they sl- or if they're sleeping during a couple of those games, you know, it could really set the tone for those tournaments.
1: And we should mention that the Revs are securely at the top of the MLS table this weekend. Uh, after seeing Chicago fall one to nothing to FC Dallas, they were a team that's done really well this year. They've been actually struggling a bit though in the past uh, two or three games. Uh, but of course, they have the revs number this year, as we know, yeah. uh, with the four nothing win and a three nothing win over the revolution. Uh, so it should be interesting to see when the revs next end up playing them, uh, which won't actually be until August 9th. Uh, interesting to see where those teams are at. Uh, I think they are the class of MLS this year, although Columbus as I should mention, had a 3-0 victory last weekend. They've been starting the season really well. Looking at the other scores, Edson Bottle, another hat-trick. He's quite the streaky player, doesn't score goals for a while, <laughs> and then he'll come up with a hat-trick in the middle of nowhere. When you least expect it, uh, and of course, Luciano Emilio getting a hat-trick again against the Red Bulls in a 4-1 victory. Uh, so some interesting results last weekend. Those are some of the more relevant ones. Uh, and again, the U.S. national team has a big game coming up again next weekend. Uh, maybe not so big anymore after the <laughs> 8-0 victory uh, this week. And We'll see what happens with that game. Maybe they'll call a few uh, lesser players to give them some time to play. Uh, but some some good week of soccer should be coming up.
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, let's see if they can, let's see if the U.S. can match that equal uh, uh, high watermark that they did today. So, um, you know, a lot of a lot of a lot of good soccer taking place. Obviously, um, Euro 2008. Obviously, uh, you know, they, uh, a soccer fan won't start for coverage anytime soon. So, um, so definitely definitely a great summer of soccer ahead of us.
1: And again, thanks for joining us today, Brian. You can check out Brian O'Connell's uh, articles at revnet.com. Covers the revs as well as the uh, local Rhode Island Stingrays down here. Uh, certainly check out revnet.com. Uh, we'll be back next week. You can check out revolutionrecap.com and the Revolution Recap uh, blog for more information on the show uh, and the revs as well. And again, you can get the Revolution Recap archives at revolutionrecaps.com. Thanks for joining us.